Second and ten as that Tennessee defense drops back. As long and try to make a diving and tip that Mahomes who tip toes inside the ten. Still not out. Oh, what a run out of this world. Touchdown, Kansas City. I tell you, from the second quarter of last week when they scored seven straight possessions to what's happened right here in this game, down ten to zero. This quarterback has played at a level you just don't see very often. Everything is almost, per- I mean, watch this. I'm like, okay, he's probably done. He's going to run out of those. Oh, gives him a little shake. Oh, he's definitely, no, I'm going to keep going. Come back in. Three more guys. No. Nope. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes. You're right. They had him. It looked like two or three times. He takes some 86 yards in a minute and 40 seconds. Well, you can't be calm in the pocket, be poised, have a big arm, be able to slide and move, great instincts, and then I'll run for 30 yards around three people and take on everybody. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you can. Rare. If wow. you are Mahomes. That highlight courtesy of CBS Jim Nance and Tony Romo on the call versus the Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship game. And Justin, just like Tony Romo said, this QB has played at a high level that you don't see very often. And I guess that's why you pay him the big bucks. And he has become the highest paid player in the NFL. Yeah, the man that's now on the cover here of Madden here. I think he's not. Is he on Madden next year? Is that uh, Lamar Jackson? I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. But yeah, no, this guy definitely deserves this contract. $45 million a year as a 10 years, $450 million total. This guy, I mean, just think about the stats that, that this guy's put up, and I kind of compare him to Aaron Rodgers of a decade ago. So Aaron Rodgers' stats here, 10 years ago when he was starting quarterback for the Packers, as of 2008, he had some pretty darn good stats. Um, 28-13 his first season from touchdowns compared to interceptions. 30 touchdowns to seven interceptions, and he went to 28-11 to during the 28 or during the 2010 season. That was Aaron Rodgers' stats. Now, we are comparing Patrick Mahomes compared to this guy. And just the last two seasons here in 2018 and 2019, after sitting behind Alex Smith and learning for a year, his first season having 5,097 yards passing. And then he also had 50 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. And then backs up last year having a season where he had some injuries, batted through a lot, still had over 4,000 yards passing. 26 touchdowns, five interceptions, and he's had over 100 rating, folks, on both seasons so far as an NFL quarterback. Yeah, this guy deserves every penny. I mean, he's already won a Super Bowl already after in his second season and definitely deserves all the accolades and awards. And like I said, I think he is very comparable to uh, a quarterback that everybody's honestly already dubbing for the Hall of Fame in Aaron Rodgers, and his stats already after two seasons are already better than Aaron Rodgers, and honestly, ever put up in his in his career possibly. I mean, this is... This is astonishing. I mean, what's your thoughts, Andrew, on this contract? And where do you think the Chiefs are going to be going here possibly in the next year as well? I actually think it works out for both Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I see why they wanted to get it done, especially with COVID-19 going on. We have noticed that some cases are, in some states, the cases are starting to drop. And I think what the Chiefs wanted to do is before that spike possibly comes back, now that the warmer weather, people are getting out and about and after being stuck in their homes for you know how long let's get this done and i think they're also looking at this cap we keep hearing all the time that it's going to keep going up and up so get the deal done now i know i looked that first year i think he's going to be making around 
$10.2 million. So still pretty cheap for a guy of his talent this year. And, you know, it was probably, I'm sure, talked about on whether they're even going to have a season with COVID going on. So pay him the cheaper amount now as the season goes on, pay, pay him more money. And I think there's also some outs. So if for some reason the Chiefs or Patrick Mahomes wanted to get out of the contract or re-sign a new deal. But I think this sets them up great for the future. I think it'll see, or I think we'll see whether now how good this team goes beyond this year and the next year. You know, paying that guy or paying that quarterback all that kind of money, you now have to find out. I mean, I think, didn't we look at it like in the past, Justin, and the Chiefs were one of the lowest. I mean, they had like, what, 5 or $10 to their salary cap? Wasn't it something like ridiculously low? Yeah, it's not, they don't have a ton of space. Like I said, they have some guys they still got to pay here coming forward. So I'll be interested to see how they honestly work this out, especially when you got a guy like Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. I know they just paid Hill not too long ago, but they have some pretty high-end players and that offensive line they still need to protect. Are they going to put all their eggs in their offense? which I think that's what they're going to do and, and just let their defense basically, this is, I feel like they, for some reason I'm getting the hunch and I don't know if you are too, but I feel like the chiefs are going to be like the NFL version of uh, the arena football league where it's a race of 60 points. So, but I mean, I guess when you have Patrick Holmes, you can play that logic, but yeah, I, I think with this contract, that's honestly, if I was the chiefs management, that's where I'd be going, but you know, draft your defense, play young guys and then go that direction. Cause when you're on your rookie contract, it's not like this contract, Maybe I'm wrong. I'd have to go and look, but I don't think this contract extension opened up a ton of cap space. Um, it probably didn't affect really much this year, as like I said, he's only going to be making about ten point two million. So maybe an uptick a little bit. But what they're going to be doing is hopefully the way they structured it, they can make things like signing bonuses. I mean, we've seen it with guys like Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Tom Brady, where these quarterbacks as they get older and older teams push money back by giving these quarterbacks signing bonuses up front. So I'm, I'm guessing as Mahomes gets older and as we get to the middle of his contract, maybe even, you know, five years into his contract, seven years into his contract, a lot of that money is probably going to become a, uh, like a signing bonus type thing to move the cap space around to be able to bring guys in. But this just tells me they're, you know, they're all in on Patrick Mahomes. Um, I don't blame them. Again, like Tony Romo said in that highlight, we've seen this guy do things that no other quarterback can can do. And like you mentioned, Justin, this guy is totally worth every penny that he is getting. Yeah, I mean, when I look at this contract, which is kind of interesting, it's um, the big thing on it, which is kind of, I don't know, to me it's really interesting just kind of looking into Twitter is Matt Ryan was the only quarterback on the list that had ever had a $100 million guaranteed contract, where now Mahomes is now the second guy on this list, and he's getting a $140 million injury on his contract. So basically, if the guy ever gets injured, he's still getting paid $140 million. So, I mean, this is a big risk, honestly, for the Chiefs to go down this route. But if you're honestly seeing it as a Chiefs fan, and after watching him play the last two seasons, this is definitely worth the risk, honestly. I, I, as a Vikings fan, you look at it in this per, in this perspective. Would you? Would I rather have Patrick Mahomes my quarterback, or would I have Kirk Cousins? And honestly, I would rather pay Patrick Mahomes this amount of money than have Kirk Cousins. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is the worst quarterback on the planet here, but um, it, there's just not there's not many Patrick Mahomes that are out there. And 
to me, this is definitely, it's still, I mean, some people might say it's not worth the money. To me, it's definitely worth the money. And you mentioned the Vikings. And another thing that came out in the NFL, Justin, was how the NFL was possibly going to, or right now they're going to cut it down to two games in the preseason. They're also still looking at possibly having no preseason games. We already know that training camp and mini camp, I believe, is already canceled, but like training camp and things like that is already going to be difficult. I believe I heard that like no media is going to be allowed at training camp and it's literally going to be players and coaches. And I'm sure, you know, once things get started, I mean, we've already seen it with baseball, how they're not doing huge groups. They're kind of doing different groups. Um, I heard today that like the twins, some people will practice on the field. Others I think are, up on the complex, I think is what I heard or what it sounded like. So, I mean, there that, I mean, baseball, you have a lot of players and they're already spreading all over the field. Some went to the bullpen. So I'm sure football is going to be the same way. You're going to have, you know, you have multiple, you know, a couple of the training camps that I've been to, you have multiple fields, you have an inside field as well. I'm sure football teams are going to be using all the fields that they have access to, to keep guys kind of spread out and be able to still pra- practice. But hearing the two preseason games and possibly no preseason games, how does that affect the Vikings this year, do you think? Because we saw a team in the Vikings that had, you know, 15 draft picks. So that's 15 different rookies coming in. And now they possibly might not be able to show their talent until games actually start mattering. Yeah, no, this is, to me, this is actually pretty serious. If they, I get the, I get the delay of the season and I also get the delay of having down to two preseason games. I mean, this was thrown out even pre-COVID, I guess we can kind of state that way, where fans were kind of wondering, is four games just too much? Um, but I think for the Vikings having, especially, we just lost to Fon Diggs. We had Adam Thielen come back and he's come back, you know, after an injury. So we still got to see what Adam Thielen's going to give us this season. But we also got to have this perspective, honestly, as Vikings fans, is we have some young guys coming in here and we got to see like what these guys can do and who's honestly going to make the roster. I don't think all 15 are honestly going to make or we had 15, I think, here. I don't think all 15 are honestly going to make the roster. I mean, I'm assuming probably about 11 or 12 probably will. So we got to figure out who those 11, 12 guys are and who's making practice squads and and going from there. So I think for the Vikings, honestly, we're in that state of mode where we honestly need those two preseason games, honestly, just to showcase to see what players want and where, what we're going to see our team going, honestly. And I'm sure the Vikings are not the only team in this in this position. And honestly, I really hope we see the games, but I get the safety parameters and the measures. I mean, what's your thoughts on this, Andrew? And where do you think, not just as the Vikings, but where do you think the NFL is going to go if we don't see these two preseason games? Yeah, I mean, it like you said, it's not just going to affect the Vikings. It's going to affect every NFL team. You think of all the scouts that probably go to some of these preseason games or that watch these preseason games, you know, the just the four preseason games that you get along with watching film on other teams that are playing different preseasons. And what, what people have to remember is they're showcasing not only for the Vikings or for the Packers or for the Bears or whatever team you may like or watch. They're showcasing their talent for that team, but also other teams as well. Because if they get cut, let's say they get cut from the roster, another team has a chance to pick them up. So taking away two preseason games 
yeah, we as fans may get bored of watching or, well, who's that guy or never heard of that guy or where did he come from? Kind of sometimes get sick of watching preseason games and but for rookies or guys that are just coming in I think as the Atlanta Falcons they brought in former Vikings wide receiver I'm drawing a blank on his name right now I know Vikings fans weren't really fond of him dropped a lot of passes oh what is his name hang on let me let me look it up but I mean he's got to learn a new playbook and get familiar with the Atlanta Falcons playbook since he was playing with the Minnesota Vikings Laquan Treadwell that's Laquan, Laquan Treadwell, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Laquan Treadwell. Um, you know, he he would have been, I'm sure he would have been favorable of playing four preseason games. And now he might only get two, maybe possibly none. Now all you get is training camp or practices before, you know, the actual games have started. And that's that's just with any team. I just brought him up because he, he switched teams this year, but Justin Jefferson, okay, yeah, him and Kirk Cousins can throw during this off this off season time, but that's not that's not going through like game reps or game time situations. I mean, yes, you can you can replicate game time situations, but honestly, I mean, you're still just out there with nobody really covering you, or you know what it's actually going to be like going against a different team who has their game plan set up and the Vikings having their game plan set up. So it's it's definitely going to affect every single team in the league, but I think it could have a very big impact on the Minnesota Vikings, just especially because of all those draft picks that, you know, the Vikings had also bringing in undrafted guys as well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, when you look at the NFL, we need these two preseason, preseason games just for the moral factor of, Setting our rosters. I mean, this is where we find out who's going to be your front offensive lineman. I mean, a lot of lineman positions change from your preseason of showcasing from training camp and from the preseason games. And then those receiver positions are huge, too. A lot of those guys that are sitting in that slot position are honestly determined from those preseason games. So we need to see. We for surely need to see two games, and I'm sure every team would appreciate that. And I'm sure if you're a Bears fan out there you really hope that the Bears are actually going to start your starters this year during the preseason because they started really slow last year. So I think it's going to be one of those things where they, they definitely need to play the preseason and find a way to play it as much as possible. But I mean, let's just look at this perspective here too, Andrew, and the perspective of let's say that the season, that these cases keep going up for COVID and, you know, just kind of like we are and the NBA has a hard time playing the season and baseball is struggling to play season. What is your thoughts if the NFL has to have a, not just a preseason, but possibly a shorter NFL season? Let's say it's like eight or ten games. I mean, what's your thoughts on on an eight or ten game season? And do you think it's still realistic to play it at that point? My, so here's here's where I was at with sports. You and I talk pretty much every single day about something of sports or whatever. It's baseball, basketball, football, and I said right when kind of COVID hit and. We saw the cases uptick and states were starting to shut down. I said, you know what? Just cancel baseball, cancel the NBA, and start with football. Well, now we see NBA is going to be coming back, MLB will be coming back, and we'll get into more of that later. But I said, just start the season or the sports season off with football because football, you can pretty much play anytime. You can play, you know, the warm weather states or the teams that have open stadiums with the warm weather, you can play there. Um, a lot of teams have domes, so if need be, you could flip the schedule around that. For instance, the Minnesota Vikings, you 
I mean, they have a dome so you can play during the winter time. or, you know, we've seen plenty of games with the Green Bay Packers playing out in the snow and things like that. So unlike baseball, where you really got to play when the warm weather is happening and players don't literally like playing in the snow, football is totally different. You can literally play football year round. Would I be against a shortened season? No, I wouldn't because football is literally the only sport right now that if it got canceled, I'd probably be the most upset about just because it is my favorite sport. And so I would be upset. Um, Would I be upset with a shortened season a little bit? But if it was 10 games, I don't think I'd be too upset, you know, 10 to 12 games and then start and then have like the final four games be a playoff format. I'd be totally fine with that. Eight games. I don't know. Is it really worth just playing eight games and then getting into the playoffs? I, If I'm the NFL, if I can't play a full season, try to get it into that 10 to 12 range and then start your playoffs that like that. Yeah, no, I think here's my thoughts on this here is if we go to a short season, football is one of those sports I feel like where injuries become a bigger factoration. So I mean, that for some reason, we always get to the playoffs and teams are always seem like they're gimping into the end of the season. So I think if we end up playing an eight or 10 game season, I think the fans will be more appreciative of actually seeing the teams in the playoffs having healthier players. Now, are we going to see bye weeks during that time duration? Are these teams going to get one week off? So let's say we play a 10 game season. Are they going to get one week off and technically like the season's 11 weeks and they get one bye week or is it just 10 weeks on straight and who makes the playoff, who makes the playoffs, you know? That's going to be a big factoration of how they do all this. But, I mean, right now, I, I just want to see football in some way, shape, or form. I don't really care how they do it. But, I mean, for me, I think it's – for to me, America's pastime has always been baseball. But when you really look at it right now in the current juncture of the United States, America's sport is football, and it's American football. And I think it would be a great way to bring the United States kind of some resemblance of normalcy i guess we can kind of call it that way if we get the opportunity to see football this you know this upcoming year but if we don't you know yeah it'll suck i'll probably be upset about it but i mean we just we gotta do what we gotta do i guess and i don't know i I just hope that they can find a way to get some of these games in or find a safe way to play these games and if they can get that done then i'll be definitely excited about that so the nfl could i think well they already kind of did this i think already if you look at team schedules because I know the schedules have already came out for the NFL players but they kind of set it up where if they need to throw those first four games off at the front of the schedule and move them to the back of the schedule I think they've already set that up so I I mean I feel that you know maybe you send those teams that are in that cold weather the Chicago Bears the Green Bay Packers maybe you send them west or east or south or whatever so you're not playing you know yes it's a little bit of an unfair advantage a little bit for those two teams but maybe you send them or start them um away from Lambeau Field rather than having home games and maybe they get more home games at the end of the season rather than the beginning of the season yeah that's true I mean the only difficult I think during the winter time is I mean if we let's say that we start the season really late and now the Green Bay Packers have to play in January and February who wants I mean we thought Lambeau was bad in November October November and early December could you imagine having to having the teams that have to travel to play the Green Bay Packers in December, January, and February? 
um, home field advantage, they literally would have to play an ice rink. So it would be that would be something else. But yeah, I mean, I guess at this point, at least it's better than nothing. But yeah, it would be something. It'd be something else to experience. But so the next big question, Andrew, is baseball. That's right, baseball is back here. It's excitement here a little bit, but. Uh, it's an abbreviated 60-game um, season coming up here. I'll get your thoughts on here as well. But as the players are returning, and a lot of stuff has been going on here this week, um, the first game of the season is set for here for baseball on July 23rd, and it's going to be the Nationals versus the Yankees. And the Twins kick off the season on July 24th against the Chicago White Sox. Um, what do you think of this 60-game season, Andrew? And where do you think baseball is going to be going here for the next couple months? I... Don't like the 60-game season. I have, or like I mentioned before in the podcast, I think that the MLB and the NBA should just unfortunately cancel their season and we're just not going to have a champion this year. Um, Unless you can, I know you mentioned before we came on, give it to the team for basketball, give it to the one that had the best record in the NBA I guess another thing that we could look at is do you just, or I mean, it's unfair to the other teams that would have been in the playoffs, but do you let the top two record teams of each, the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference, do you have them battle it out for a, cha- a championship? I, you know, we've already heard multiple cases from both the NBA and the MLB that have gotten COVID. Um, I'll stay with the MLB because that's the topic that we're that we're on but again I don't like the 60 game season I think if I if I if baseball was to come back I said I wanted it to be 100 games or more I think we could have had 100 games or more I know money was the controversy and now we're settling for 60 games and now we're seeing players come out that have COVID such as um, the Atlanta Braves first baseman um, the Twins, they have Miguel Sano. Uh, Freddie Freeman is who I was talking about with the Braves. Um, he got really sick. I heard he is a guy that doesn't necessarily... I was listening to the Atlanta Sports Radio Station, and they were talking about how he doesn't even get really sick in general and how he got COVID, and it's pretty much hit him like a ton of bricks. And his wife has said that you know he's had a high fever and just has been really sick in general. So we've seen guys like Mike Trout that said he might not even play half the season because his wife is pregnant and he doesn't want a chance getting COVID and spreading that virus to his wife or his soon-to-be child. Um, Mookie Betts came out, I believe today, he held a press conference or a Zoom chat, I assume, with the Dodgers media. And he said that, you know, he doesn't really trust what the MLB's got going on. Uh, Sean Doolittle, I guess, came out and he said that the MLB was going to literally test players, was it every other day or something? And they're supposed to get their test results back within like 48 hours. Um, I guess he got tested and he, it's been like 12 or 13 days and he still hasn't gotten his test results back. And I think what people also have to realize is it's not just the players that are going to be around 
everybody. It's going to be, I mean, yes, there's not going to be fans or they're going to be playing without fans, but it's the players. It's the coaches. I mean, I don't know what the average coach age is in the MLB, but just thinking off the top of my head, there's a lot of coach MLB managers that are probably 50 plus years old. Yes, the Twins are fortunate to have a guy like Rocco Baldelli, who's in his mid 40s, I believe, low to mid 40s, but a lot of other teams, I'm been talking about the Atlanta Braves, the Atlanta Braves, their or their manager. He's no young guy. I mean, if he if he gets it, he may get he may get hit hard by the virus. But you have your your managers, you have your players, you have your scouts, you have your front office people. I mean, there's more to a team than than just the players. And I Justin, I don't even know if we're going to get through this 60 game season. In my opinion, unless for some reason this gets canceled before the season even starts, you mentioned how the season starts and on July 23rd. So if more and more players come out and say, I'm not going to play or more and more players get the COVID, maybe they'll have a change of mind and either delay the season even more or cancel it. But I feel there's going to be some sort of impact, whether it's players start playing or people start playing and they get COVID that again, I don't even know if we're going to get through a full season. I see them playing maybe 10 to 20 games and you're going to start to see cases spike with these players playing and they're going to eventually just call it and say, we need to either take a break or cancel the season. And that's going to be unfortunate because if that's going to be the case, then why even play 60 games? And you're playing 60 games in, you know, 60 some days. So it's literally going to be back to back to back. So I don't know. I guess we'll we'll wait and see. I know people are excited for baseball to be back. They just want sports back. But, you know, we we there's been talks about bars possibly shutting down i know arizona was a hot spot now their their governor i think came out and said that they're going to shut back down for for 30 days so you know we look out for the regular person like you and i how come we're not you know looking out for these athletes or for their concerns you know mike mike trout has a good reason not to play i get why he's like i might only play half the games or may not play at all. He's watching out for his wife and kids. They got family in everyday lives as well. There's no reason just because they're an athlete that we should be pushing them back to their job or their, you know, what they do in life. But yet us, you know, people, you know, you farming me, working my jobs, pushing us back into our job. I mean, farming, you, you're kind of, you know, social distance from whatever, but a person that works at a gas station or Target, Walmart, whatever, whatever it may be. Yes, we want those people, you know, people want to get back to work. But why are we shoving these sports or these athletes right back into their job? Yet we still want to be cautious with the everyday person that works in everyday nine to five job. It, it doesn't make sense. We got it. We should be cautious with both of them. So again, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think I think the biggest ramification from all of this is going to be let's just I'm going to throw this example here and I'm sure you're going to be like, "Okay, yeah, that's kind of true." I mean, let's just say that baseball plays, right? And a lot of these players do come down with cases and something happens where a couple of these players get pretty severely sick and need to go out and get hospitalized. I mean, hopefully nobody dies. I mean, that's what nobody wants to see. But let's just say a couple need to get legit hospitalization for this. And now we're in a situation where this occurs, right? And let's say this happens in August. Well, guess what comes in August? The NFL season, right? And now that this is occurring, NFL now has to start taking preventative measures just because of what happened with the MLB season. And now we're sitting not, not just without baseball, we're also sitting without the NFL, which I think that's going to get people a little bit riled up because as much as I want to see baseball, and trust me, I love baseball, but to not have baseball and – at the same time, not have uh, 
excuse me, I can't talk right now, not have uh, football as well. I think that's going to be a, I think that's going to be a very interesting, uh, you know, a time I think for American and it's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be tough for Americans if they find out we can't have football or we have to wait two more months to have football. So, and like you kind of also stay there too. I mean, what people don't realize when it comes to these players and stuff too is, yeah, the players are young and they're probably at the lowest risk for this virus. But like, I mean, I think about the example. I was thinking when you said coach, I was thinking of Ron Gardenhider. I mean, he, for, for the Tigers, he's not a he's not a young guy. I mean, that guy gets COVID. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen to him. He might get pretty severely sick. And in the NFL, I mean, I think about like Pete Carroll. You know, there's some there's some guys up there that there's probably going to be a coach or somebody in the staff or someone we know is probably going to get pretty severely sick. So I think we have to kind of sit back and realize some of this stuff. And then some of these families, you know, like you said, Mike Trout, his wife is currently pregnant, you know. And I know like Nick Markakis reached out and had a phone call with Freddie Freeman, I guess. And that's the reason why he's sitting out is, you know, when he finds out another player in his own team is pretty sick, he has to think, well, I'm 36 years old and I don't want to get that sick. So why don't I just sell the season and I'll play next year. And I get where this is all coming from. I think what the NMLB should have done is they should have pulled and see how many players that were willing to play and maybe done this and had it finalized. You know what I mean? By like, let's say like the 23rd of June or something, like a month before the season starts. And then if you find out that like 20 or so percent of your players are for surely not going to be there and these are some big name market players, maybe it's just best not even play the season because if you have to pull up so many players from AAA just to uh, finalize a roster, it's a great opportunity for those guys to play, but it also puts your markability of the MLB kind of online because you're kind of not putting out a good enough product that fans are probably going to be like, well, yeah, we won, but we had to play like, you know, half the teams in the night half. I'd say it's a quarter of the teams in the league had a triple A team, you know, and it kind of, it kind of doesn't make your winning the championship look as good as it would have if you would have played a whole season. But yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I really wish baseball would have been more of the 90 to hundred games this year. I'm glad that at least they're trying to play some baseball games. I just don't know how this is all going to go down now that everything else in our country seems to be going in a, in a just a different direction right now. And I just hope it all works out But because I want to see football. I want to see baseball. I want to see basketball. But I think we also need to think about more than just the players. We need to think about the, the press people. We need to think about the coaching staff and you know, the news and media people and everybody else that's going to be involved because the players aren't going to just be with the players. They're going to be involved with a lot of different other individuals. And that's going to be tough. You know, that's going to be tough to have all those hurdles and everything work right. I I don't know. I hope it works out, but I just don't know if it will. Not even the, you know, as you were you were talking there, we mentioned the managers and how Ron, you got like guys like Ron Gardenhire and the older MLB managers. Like I said, I don't know the average age. I, there's way more managers that are in their mid fifties, probably even mid sixties to low seventies that if they get the virus, you know, we, we have no idea how it can hit, hit them. Hopefully they would be able to make it through, but the umpires, what about the umpires that are going to be coming in contact or close proximity of the players? I don't know about you, but I don't see any young, uh, umpires out on that baseball field when I'm watching a baseball game how is it gonna affect them you know what happens if it spreads around the umpire locker room or the the I mean I don't know how umpires like if they stay in hotels just I assume they do stay in hotels just like the players and the teams do but what happens when 
you know, it spreads to multiple umpires. Are you going to call up college umpires? What what are we going to do then if we, you know, can't field an entire umpiring crew? I mean, there's just so many people that could be affected by this that to me, I think the MLB, I mean, yes, they they kind of had to move quickly and have to move quickly because we're already in the month of July, like you said, but I think they might be moving a little too quickly and I'm not sure everything maybe got thought through enough. So we'll see. Like you said, some of these star players are already saying they're either just going to sit it out and wait till next season. They're only going to play maybe half the games. It's, it's going to be interesting because then it's going to be like, okay, well, let's say they do make it through the whole season you know, it might be a team that nobody is thinking about that could be playing for a World Series because it'll be whose team is the deepest and how many of the star players are like, you know what, I'm playing. Yeah, no, I think that's a very true statement. I mean, I think this season for baseball with only being 60 games, uh, I think this is honestly going to turn into a battle of pitching and who has not just the best bullpen, but who also has possibly the best um, starting rotation. Because if you can, you're only playing 60 games instead of 162, your pitching is going to definitely be a huge factoration. So I feel like the teams that spent money on pitching and got good pitching staffs are going to bowl pretty well. I mean, as a Twins fan, I kind of look at this in this way that we got Kent Maeda, um, we have... Um, Rich Hill now rotation. I honestly, as a Twins fan, especially their bats, I feel like the Twins are in a better position now than they were probably you know a year ago if we were in this position. So I think that is um, that bolts pretty well for the Twins. It doesn't mean at the end of the day that that it, it's the end all factor now that the Twins are definitely going to make the World Series. I'm not saying that at all right now, but I definitely think it definitely benefits the Twins if we do play this season and hopefully it goes in the right direction just because of the just because the pitching might be a benefit. And I, I just feel like in a 60 game schedule, I feel like pitching is definitely going to be a benefit for those teams, but. Mm-hmm. Well, and the NBA is in the same situation. You know, they start their season July 30th. Um, do you happen to know when the other teams start in Chicago? I'm not hundred percent sure on Chicago right now. I know it's 18, but I'll have to look into that here. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, why don't you look into that and I'll kind of talk. Yep. They're they're in the they're in the same boat. I mean, and in all honesty, NBA players are gonna be closer in proximity to each other than baseball players. I mean, baseball players you're in close proximity, you know, at the plate a little bit, and then but once you get on base, I mean, other than like leading off, you're right next to each other. Well, when you're playing basketball, you're constantly guarding someone. You're constantly they kind of call it, you know, right in their right hip or whatever. So to say, it's it's going to be interesting and in how the NBA is going to get through this or if we even make it through a full NBA season. I think the NBA kind of plans on playing, what is it, like 10 to 20 regular season games and then getting right in the playoffs. Are we even sure we're going to make it through those 10 to 20 regular season games without more players coming out with either COVID or again saying, you know what, I'm not going to chance this. I'm I'm sitting out. I, I don't know. I don't know what we're gonna I don't know what we're gonna get. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And honestly, I get 
I get the taking the other teams that aren't in the playoffs or don't have a chance at the playoffs and sending them to Chicago, but is it really worth it? Why not just let the teams practice in their like facility and or just wait for the next offseason? I mean, I get that teams don't want to become rusty and stuff, but A, I mean... I don't know about you, Justin. I mean, maybe you will because you miss sports, but I'm probably not going to watch a single game that is taking place with that. I might watch the, you know, the regular season play out and see how far we get. And if we get into the playoffs and to the championship round, I'll I'll probably watch that. I won't have any like rooting interest or anything, but to watch, I mean, it's almost like the college basketball NIT. I mean, that's literally, it's going to be the NBA NIT. I mean, who's really going to watch it unless you're just wanting something to watch because you don't watch anything but sports or you just miss sports so much that you're like, you know what? I want to watch my basketball team, but it's literally going to be almost, um, what do they call in basketball? Like, so NFL is called preseason. You have pre or, you know, spring training baseball. What does basketball call it? Oh God. I don't even nice to tell the truth. <laughs> so i mean you get what i mean like there's spring training preseason basketball or whatever literally that's kind of what this is going to be it's going to be your nit version of the nba and i i really don't know if it's going to be you know worth it i'd rather the guys you know practice on their own whether it's with you know other team players at again the facility for the timberwolves at the facility up in you know minneapolis I'd rather guys go in and shoot around and kind of play maybe like some one-on-one against each other or some three-on-three basketball with their own team members rather than, you know, playing against the Atlanta Hawks or uh, the Golden State Warriors or, you know, teams like that. Like, I I honestly don't get the point. Yeah, so it's really interesting that, like I said, like the news like came out today that was it today or yesterday that the Bucks had to shut down their facility after multiple players tested positive for COVID. So it's just like, I get the season. I'll play in the NBA season, like just like we do for baseball, but we're now in a situation where we're clearly going to play these seasons out. And I think we'll have to just, have to, we'll just have to see how this rolls out. I mean, it's, I kind of feel like it's just a trial and error kind of thing. And we're just going to see how this goes. But um, I mean, for the eight teams that are not playing, it says that they are sub- they are are set to play based on Woolwich here that send this out. They're set to play here um, for a target date here in early September. So they'll, to me, it looks like they're just going to be basically playing for a month. <laughs> and the eight teams will just mini scrimmage against each other. So I get the I get the point of it. They're trying to keep the players from being rusty the following season. But I guess my, my opinion is, is, is it going to be worth it or not? Well, I guess we'll have to fi- figure that out. But. Um, for the NBA season, they kick off here. I guess, like you said, um, they have their first game uh, to tip off in. I looked at here. July thirtieth. July thirtieth. Is it July thirtieth? Yeah, July thirtieth. Yep. Um, and that's the Utah Jazz uh, versus the New Orleans Pelicans. All tip off. That's the first game. So. I think that's will be a very interesting to see how the NBA plays this out. Uh, I'm definitely going to be watching the first few days just to kind of see how this is going to go. I think the NBA will play their season out. I think that baseball will play the season out regardless of how the situations go. But I think we're just going to have to see it because it's going to give me an idea of what, what is the NFL going to look like this upcoming season as well. Um, I'm actually, I, as a person that's more interested in just seeing the NFL play this year, I'm more interested to see how the NBA plays because I feel like there's more – um, contact, you know what I mean, in the NBA than more than in baseball. So I feel like what we're going to see in the NBA is going to be pretty similar that we're going to see in the NFL. So 
I'll be interested to see how they played their season out because that if they if they can play their season out, then I feel like the NFL can definitely play their season out. So I think for me, I'm actually more interested as a person as a big NFL fan um, of watching the NBA season even more than the MLB season, just because, like I said, the the indoor facilities, the the refs being in close you know proximity, just like you would have in the NFL, you know, with the players a little bit, and the you know you know I, I don't know like I said like the the, the players you know, in such close contact with each other. I, I'm even more interested to see how they play that out and then going from there. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. You there In the NBA, you have you do have more contact. You are constant. I mean, you're dribbling the same ball. I mean, in baseball, we constantly see, you know, a ball either getting thrown to the bullpen or thrown into the crowd after so many, so many pitches. So where baseball, you, you can go through so many so many different ones basketball are they going to constantly switch the basketball out are they going to sanitize it every time a timeout is called or something like that i mean then then you almost run into the problem of the ball possibly being wet so then is it going to be you know slipping out of players hands when they dribble or when they pass or anything i mean i guess you could bring again you can bring multiple basketballs but you got the constant touching of of different basketballs um i think uh t- i mean are players going to not wear mouth guards I mean, how are you going to take your mouth guard out? You are touching a basketball that's been touched by many different players. And now you got to go and pop your mouth guard out with your, I mean, I guess you could keep it halfway in your mouth, I guess. Um, But I'm sure a lot of players just kind of grabbed it with their hands and probably didn't really think anything of it. Well, now it's okay. Do I want to touch my mouth guard with my hands after, you know, while my hands are dirty and not like sanitized or, or washed? I mean, I don't know. Um, so you got, you know, that, that kind of a problem as well, where, like you said, in baseball, there's not much, not much contact with the players. I mean, you're in close proximity of, of guys, but I'm sure, you know, guys aren't just going to be chatting it up at first base. Like they, like they used to, or, you know, giving each other like hugs, high fives, anything, anything like that. But like I mentioned before, you, with basketball, you, you know, you might hear a coach say you want to stay in their, their, you know, left pocket or right pocket and you know, stay close or up close to them to, to defend them. I mean, think of centers that play on the inside. I mean, you're, you're in close proximity. You're literally like right next to each other. Um, t- again, touching the same basketball, you know, what are you going to do with your mouth guard to, you know, you see players take it out when they're shooting free throws or during it, <clears throat> excuse me, during a timeout. So yeah, I agree that football and the NBA are kind of in the similar boat as both of them are more contact sports than baseball is. Um, Another sport that's going to be interesting is the MLS. Uh, FC Dallas has already taken themselves out after getting 10 players coming up with COVID and a coach also coming up with COVID. Uh, They're down in Atlanta, or not Atlanta, down in Orlando, Florida. And I believe they start this week. So I guess that's going to be another sport that will have to watch. I mean, they're kind of the same as football and basketball as well as they're somewhat in close close proximity. Not not as much. It's more like when they get close down to the goal. Um, but again, what 
you know, I think out of all these sports, Justin, the one that's probably going to make it through a full season would probably be soccer, just because I feel like in soccer, until you're either going for a shot on goal or a goal kick or something like that, you're really not close to a lot of people. You know, you try to keep it spread out. Now, if someone's going for a header or something on that stance, then you're going to become in close proximity. But I think if any of these sports that are coming back has a chance to make it through the full season, it's it's the MLS. Yeah, I think so. It seems like so far with this virus, I feel like the people that are outdoors in sports are going to have the best success. So if I had to rank the sports that I feel like will have the best chance of making it with the least amount of contact, I would say soccer and baseball are pretty similar. So I feel like both these sports can definitely make it through the season. Um, and the sport I think is going to me be the hardest to get through is going to be basketball because there's so much contact. They're indoors in air conditioned facilities. Uh, you know, they're enclosed on a, a, a smaller space, like a 90 foot basketball. I guess the court space is 90 foot. So, I mean, like th- this is, it's going to be, it's going to be tougher. And two, the players are panting. So like, you know, cause they're, they're, you know, they're sprinting up and down the court. So I think that's going to be more, probably the most difficult of all the sports. Like I said, I think honestly, Soccer to me is going to tell me exactly how baseball is probably going to be played over the next few weeks because they're now two weeks ahead of them, and I feel like the um, the or it's not baseball here. I'm trying to think here. The um, we just talking about here, not baseball, but what's their sport? Um, gosh, dang it! I just had a complete brain fart here. MLS. MLS. No, not MLS. The MLS is very similar to baseball. What's everyone thinking of right now? NBA. I feel like the NBA is very similar to. Uh, the NFL because the players in such close proximity. So what we see, I think like from the NBA is going to give me a much better idea of what the NFL players of season will probably look like. So if they struggle, I feel like the NFL might be in the same boat, but I feel like the NFL might not be as bad just because like I said, we have facilities that are outdoors. We have, you know, green Bay, we have Chicago, we have, you know what I mean? We have Jacksonville, these teams play outside. So like, I feel like in those facilities, I feel like, the odds of spread is just if they do, if somebody has it, it's just going to be so much less. So in my personal opinion right now, I feel like, and like you said, you brought up the example, like with the balls and you know, you know, they have, are they going to sanitize every football? Are they going to sanitize every basketball or baseball? Or how is this all going to be done? We don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. And even with fans, I don't even know what's the game plan for fans. Is there any fans? All the games, are we just going to have to buy packages and pay extra money for it? I mean, I, I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you have, but I haven't heard anything on, on having to buy the baseball package this season. So I don't know if it's just going to be on TV and that's just the way it is, or, you know, it's something we'll have to look into over the next couple of weeks and see how that plays out. But yeah, I, I'm, I don't know how this season is going to be played. We're going to have to, just, I, like I said, we're, we're living in a new norm right now and I'm glad to see sports are back, but I just hope that we play the whole seasons out and we don't just start a season and then just end the season after like, you know, like if it's for example, like the NBA, they they start a season here and they play their last twenty games and they get to game like ten and they realize it's just not realistic and they just quit the season. Well, then what's the point of playing the ten games? You know, so I hope they play out what they can, but I don't know. To me, this this could be this could be a disaster <laughs> for for me wanting to see football. But it also could be a good thing too. So here's a couple of thoughts back. Okay, so you mentioned the baseball season. I did actually see something. I believe it was on Twitter that you can get what's called MLB TV, and I think that's where you can pretty much watch every out-of-market game. So for Twins fans, you would not be able to watch the Twins. You could only watch 
or you can watch every other team but the Twins. So it's basically your home state team you can't watch. And it's pretty much a dollar a game. It's 60 bucks for 60 games. Um, I probably won't get it just because, I don't know, to me that's a little high. I mean, you're literally paying, I guess, I mean, you are paying a dollar a day and you get literally every game except for the Minnesota Twins. So I guess it's not, it's not too bad, but... Um, so that's what baseball is going to do. As far as fans in the seats, I honestly don't think NBA or MLB will do fans in the seats. As far as football, um, I have been to a couple of horse races up at Running Aces. And right now they are allowing 250 people to come into their horse racing. They do have it very spread out. Um, you can definitely, there's definitely social distancing. Um, they have the benches spread out. There's, you know, standing room. You, you can't really bring like your lawn chair or anything, but they have benches spread out that, you know, families can social distance or you can social distance. And I'm, I mean, with horse racing, it's a little different than football, um, up there. Like once you get about through, I would say half, half the races through people start to leave. Now, I don't think people are going to leave a football game unless you're getting absolutely blown out and you just want to leave and don't want to watch your backups probably coming in after, you know, the third quarter. I don't think fans are going to leave, but I've mentioned, you know, maybe just doing half the fans. So instead of um, 40 to 50,000 fans in the seats, maybe you do 20,000 fans. And I don't even know if the NFL is going to do that. I mean, right now, I think in Minnesota, we're, you know, the governor put it down that you can't have more than 250 people. Again, you can't have more than 250 people at these horse races. So I think it's going to be up to the states and what the states mandate. Um, but if all goes well, you have a full football season. Fans can come back and watch. Obviously, you would have to, I don't know if you'd do like a temperature check before you come into the stadium or, or what they would do. But... Maybe, like I said, instead of doing, you know, like 50, 40 to 50,000 people, you do 20 to 25,000 people or whatever the ballpark or the field can hold, you do half of it. And then you'd be able to, you know, spread people out around different areas. And, you know, I know restaurants right now are doing like every other table. So maybe you do every two to three seats in the, in the stadium, unless your family, like maybe if you're your family, cause I think this is what, um, airlines are doing so some of the airlines are not selling the middle seat however you can sit in that middle seat so like you and your family you have four, uh, four people in your in your family um you and your family you your dad your mom could all sit together in the three seats that the airplane has otherwise if it like if it wasn't your family then it would just be let's say just you and your dad in two seats and that middle seat would be would be separated um, or separating you two. So I know like airlines are doing that. So I get, I think what you could do if you want to bring fans back again, I don't see the MLB, the M yeah, the MLB, the NBA or the MLS doing this, but maybe for the football season, if you know, the full or the NFL is kind of like, you know what, we're going full steam ahead. We're allowing fans. We're playing all 16 games, all that. Maybe you just do, maybe you just do half the fans. You have a uh, temperature check before you, get in the stadium and if your temperature is at such and such level you you can't get in or I don't know I think there's going to be a lot more testing or a lot more information that we're going to have to find out but 
I think that could possibly be one way that you could allow fans to come in is, you know, limited to, or at the most have half the fans or otherwise maybe do like five to 10,000 people get in. And again, I mean, tickets are going to be, tickets are already expensive even without COVID. If, if that's the case, I can guarantee a lot of people are probably going to be selling their tickets because a, they're going to be charging a lot of money and, with the very limited amount of fans that possibly will get allowed in people may be willing to pay that price because they miss sports or tickets are going to be super cheap because nobody will is willing to go to the game of the chance of getting COVID or you know what people are going to be like, they're going to start their ticket prices high. And then all of a sudden it's going to be like game day and they're going to be like, you know what, screw this. I'm not going to the game because I don't want to get COVID so I'm just going to sell my tickets super cheap and hopefully get a little bit of my money back. But I think that's kind of a way you could maybe allow fans to go. Um, I don't know if you have any other ideas, but that was that was kind of my idea, kind of going off of what I've seen going you know, to these couple of horse races that I've been to and seeing how they've kind of been doing it. I mean, they got to have... I mean, my personal opinion is if you're going to have fans at games, and I think they can definitely pull this off, my feeling is, is yeah, they, the temperature checks going to have to be a big thing. Um, they may have they may have to mandate masks. I mean, I know it's not a lot of people might want to wear them, but they may have to do that just, you know, to help prevent the spread if somebody does have it and gets through the, the temperature check because that's only 70% effective. And I think that the other thing is, you know, maybe we spread the fans out. So, like, if teams are, you know, if a person, let's say, like, you know, let's just use Lambo fuel, for example, right? Because they use bleachers and they pile them all in there. Maybe they spread them all and you can only have the bleachers people one every four. So, you get, you know, two home games you have tickets to. You know what I mean? Like, you might get the first game, you might get game five. And if you either keep your ticket or you can sell your ticket to somebody that might want to go and then they have to buy that ticket. You know what I mean? So, um, that would probably be the best way to do it, honestly, and I would. That's what I would recommend. But I think, I think it's just gonna. Ha- I think it's gonna be tough to pull off. But I think at the same like time, I think it's gonna depend on the place. I mean, if you're in Lambeau Field or Soldiers Field, like I said, outside, I'm not exactly worried that much if they take perimeter measures. Um, Minnesota, we'd have to probably like if they have the gates to walk in. They'd have to just keep it open to aerate it. That would be the best way to prevent spread, I guess. So. But I mean, you got teams like New Orleans in the Superdome. I mean, that that there's no way. Like, I don't know how they're going to be able to prevent it in that place. But um, I'm sure you, as a diehard Falcons fans, could probably really care less. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think it's just. Uh, I think it, I think there's ways that we can do this, but it's 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 definitely going to be it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. Um, you know, you're going to have to tell fans that. You know, you have a certain gate to come through, just like you would be on an airline. You have a certain gate to come through, and you have a certain time you made. They recommend you to come in on the ticket or something like, hey, you're assigned to come in at between 11 and 11.15 at gate, you know, G. You know what I mean? Like, so we can fan the fans in, so they're not all piled on top of each other. So you just keep track your ticket and your time, and we could definitely pull this off. But does, I think the NFL ticket owners would have to get a lot better at being more specific on the tickets and... um and pulling this off. And I think it's doable, but I think they're going to have to be more on the ball with that this year. And if they do it, then yeah, I'm, I'm completely for it. But if, if everybody's just giving tickets away and everybody's just running into stadiums, well, then this isn't going to really help the situation. So, and two, we also got, I think one, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think one area that sports 
that want to bring fans back. So maybe it is the NFL. I think one thing they can watch is I know Disney's going to be opening up here on July 11th, I believe, and maybe see how they're going to allow people to come in. I know they're, I think they're only allowing 20, it's either, it's between 25 and I believe 50% um, is what the capacity is going to be. I'm leaning more towards that 25% than I am 50%, but I know as a family that has went to Disney a couple of times and knows what Disney is like. It's always a mad rush to hurry up and get through the gates. And that was one thing that me and my mom were talking about knowing that Disney was opening back up was how are you going to stop that mad rush of people like lining up and pushing literally each other just to get through the gates. Cause everybody, you know, wants to get into the park. So maybe that's something that the NFL could look at is, okay, are you going to have, you know, like stickers like on the cement, you know, six feet apart and everybody must mandate, you know, and stand six feet apart to go in and, you know, single file lines and, you know, no getting out of line for, you know, literally anything. Or if you do, like you, you lose that spot and you literally have to go back to like the end of the line or something, or again, you can't get out of line or, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it, what it would be, but I think the NFL could also maybe take tips from these amusement parks that are opening back up and be like, hey, what are you guys doing to not make it a big rush to get into the stadiums like we used to have? And maybe maybe you open the gates up open. I know like for baseball, I know it was like gates open an hour and a half or two hours before first pitch. Maybe, maybe you do it like you said. You either mandate certain people to come in at certain times. So like you mentioned, you know, you have a one o'clock game. You got to come in or you are allowed into the stadium at, you know, 11, 11.30. Maybe you open it up to not an hour and a half to two hours before the, the game starts. Maybe it's now two and a half, three hours before the game starts. Just so, like you said, we can get people in safely and in an organized matter where not everybody is around different people, you know, around each other where that spread could happen. Yeah, I mean, that's to me, that would be the best way to do it. If they did that, it's, it's definitely doable. Because, I mean, think about it. If you put a fan, let's say the game, game, game kicks off at noon for the Vikings stadium and you started at 9 o'clock, you could do a 9, to, or let's say 10 o'clock. I mean, you could do a 10 to 10.30 unit, another group at, you know, 10.30 to 11. Then you got 11, 11.30 and then, or uh, 11 to 11.30 and then 11.30 to noon. So I know the group at noon is going to want to get there, like, at 11:30 for sure. So, I mean, that might be the only hurdle with that, but I mean, I feel like the people at 11 o'clock are going to want to get there at 11 just to get into the stadium too. So like, yeah, there might be a little bit of overlap, but it's not going to be extreme too. And you're going to be funneling the people in, in a smaller pile and there's not going to be as many people in the stadium. So I feel like that's, it's definitely doable. I think it's definitely doable as long as you mandate some rules. And like I said, like have masks and do all the stuff. I feel like we can definitely pull this off, but I mean, we also got to think about this too, is we got to maybe think about the players and the coaches and the staffs here as well too. And, uh, you know, go down that road as well too. Like, Hey, this isn't just about the fans. This is also about the players that are playing the game and the coaches and, and, you know, the, the people down below, like the, the, the reporters and other people too, that are also involved here. So, I mean, we have to think about so many preventative measures, you know, I mean, the games are going to be televised. We have to have tell, you know, we have to have TV crews at these games. You know, people, I mean, we're not going to have a game and be on TV without having a TV crew. So like we, there's just so many hurdles we're going to have to jump here, but I feel like with the NBA and MLB, we're going to figure out how this is all run. And I think the MLB will learn, like you said, they'll learn from amusement parks, but I think they'll also learn from how the MLS 
the MLB and the NBA seasons being played. And I think that'll give our, give the season uh, at least an idea of what can they do? What did, what did those teams, those places did well and what did they not like and what can they do better? And I think them starting here in July with football, not really truly starting until, I mean, it starts at what middle of the end of August here, but I mean, at least have a month to a month and a half before the actual season starts here. And with that, I think they'll have a much better idea by September of how they want to address fans, how they want to address the players and all that stuff. And I think they'll find a way to get fans of the games. I don't know if it may not be week one, but you know, when they do get the fans, of the games, I think they'll have them there at, at the best of their ability in the safest way possible. And I mean, that's all we can do. I mean, I would love to tell people that we can put them in a bubble wrap and <laughs> everything's going to be okay, but that's not, re- that's just not realistic. Like you have to, it's just like anything you're, you got to take your own risk. And I mean, that's, you know, when you do that kind of stuff and if you don't want to, then just don't buy the ticket. But if you want to, then buy the ticket and go to the game. And that's just kind of the way I feel about it. So, you know, I, I think we just need to come to the understanding as a society that if we get to that point and understand that, then we can all be fine. So that'll wrap up another edition of the Sports Launch podcast. Make sure you like us on Facebook. Uh, you can search the Sports Launch podcast also on Twitter at launch sports and also rate and review us on apple podcasts and on spotify